Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. Hello, welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Samantha McKenna. Hi, so good to be here, Janice. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful. And I I just need to tell the audience, we met, we hugged at the (laughs) Women in Sales Summit. Now, we've been floating around online to each other's um, platform and uh, the content we post for years, (laughs) pre-pandemic, really. So it was so lovely to see you at such a spectacular event, Women in Sales in in Napa. I was speaking on stage with um, Mary Shea and you did a workshop as as well. So I know and I met your team. So what was your view of that event? What made it different? It was incredible. I think the um, the best quote that I got from that was that someone didn't feel like they had to be on the entire time. And when we dug into that, why why is that? It's just because I'm surrounded by a bunch of women. I don't feel like I have to be, you know, presenting a certain way or doing something specific. It just put me at ease and was incredible to hear from so many women all about the issues we face, things that we can do differently. Just the fact that it was us in a room. And I think there was a particular magic for it being kind of number one, the first conference and kind of the first conference that a lot of people went to after the pandemic. It was spectacular. Yeah, certainly agree with you there. Okay, I want to dig into your your company, your organization, your team, which I met there. And I know that one important goal to you is is giving back. And the yeah. fact that um, you donate a portion of your revenues to charities and help to uplift charities. Now, why is that important to you? I think for me, I, the the thing that bleeds through everything that I do as a person is how to make positive impact. And that's, you know, in somebody's life and the relationships that I build and the work that we do, it's just what fills my my soul for as sad as that might sound. It just, it, it it's what I feel like I was here to do. So even as we coach and as we do things from a sales training perspective, I feel like we're making a positive impact. But The most beautiful part about running your own business, as you know, is you can do whatever the hell you want to do. And one of those things was, how do we give back? How do we get smart about giving money to charity? So even in our first year, we give about $10,000 away um, to charity, which is a new uh, small business, was a lot of money for us. But then we wisened up. And we said, what is it that we can do to be a little bit different? So we've now just run our second charity event. We um, uh, raffle off the spaces, so to speak, for uh, $5,000. So you had to pitch an incredible lineup of super senior marketing and sales leaders who have millions and millions of money of budget to spend. Um, and then we give all that money to charity. So I think in a small way, we're just, we're being smart. We're, we're capitalizing our network. We're asking people that we have relationships with to be the bait to sell off the spots to pitch them. And then we get to make impact in the world. And I got to tell you, we support these incredible charities, but we supported one that we we picked out of nowhere called the uh, Fund for Global Human Rights. And we didn't realize, but they're actually a relatively small fund. I think they've just raised in their 20 years, they've raised about 43 million or something like that. So our tiny contribution of about 11,000 that we made to them, one of four charities was massive, but it just feels good. It feels good to know that you're not just building a business, but you're doing something that's bigger than yourself. 
What I love about this, it's not just, okay, we're going to give away 0.01% of our revenue. You're actually doing something, you know, in terms of using your skills yeah. and your connections to do something much bigger than that. And the thing is, you're having an influence on the organizations that you pull in to this event and everyone feels good about themselves. And it's great for the charities and not only getting exposure to you because you're giving money, but exposure to the other organizations. And I thought, there's such a great idea i wanted you to share this on a podcast for companies to think out of the box of how they can give back and the other aspect of that especially for large organizations that have a large payroll mm. value and um, um purpose is such an important thing engaging the organization and i thought your idea was a really great one for organizations to really um uh, involve all of their staff thank you and i i have to give credit um the chief information security officer of a company called crossbeam actually had the idea i somehow ended up on a post that he made years ago i messaged him out of the blue and i said hi we've never met can i steal your idea <laughs> he said hello sure and i was like okay thanks bye uh and then went to went to go do it but it's exactly that right if you think about the ten thousand dollars that we spend in our first year in in donations why not spend that money on running the event instead and then turning that into fifty five thousand dollars which is exactly what we did. Um, and if you think that I'm a good seller, wait until you see me selling for charity or something <laughs> that doesn't benefit for me. I will hustle you until until I get a, a signature over the line. <laughs> yeah, that's when, you know, like, oh, I know that the sales industry doesn't necessarily always have a good reputation, but that's when you really need to dig in and yeah. hunt them down for something, <laughs> you know, that's really it's important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't mind the reputation then. It's right. Like, and it can be great fun. So, yeah, thank yeah. you for sharing that. Thanks. Okay, I wanted to talk to you about uh, the way the industry has shifted. In, then it's very much led by the buyers mm. and their need for sellers to be more customer-centric, more focused on serving the customer. And I know that this is an important subject for you as well. Yeah, I think the, you know, we have a tagline called show me, you know, me framed behind me on my wall. And I think what really bleeds through that is thinking about thinking about our buyers, thinking about what they care about, the challenges they have, things that they're thinking about for the years ahead. I think in sales, right, we get a bad reputation because we're so accustomed to thinking if I get time with a buyer. I'm going to talk about myself for 28 minutes. I'm going to do my little tap dance. And I'm going to show them what I'm going to present. And then I'm going to hope for the best that they want to buy my stuff. And the thing with that is it's all about you. It's not about them. And nobody wants that. I always equate this to a first date. Would you show up to a first date and talk about yourself for 28 minutes and then say, do you want to go on a second date? And if you would, if you're like, yes, that's what I do, then you give me a call. I will help you with your dating life as well, because we <laughs> would never do that. And we should never do that. And we should look at discovery calls, those initial conversations that we have the same way, right? We are here to solve a challenge. You know, Janice, if I was selling to you and you agreed to give me 30 minutes of your precious time, it's my job to show up with a narrative, to show up with research, to show that I know you, right? I'm, I have all that prepared, but it's really my job to understand why'd you show up today? What are your challenges? What's on your mind? What are you looking to achieve? What are you thinking about for the year or the next two years ahead? That is my job. And the most rewarding part to me isn't necessarily getting you to say, we, we need everything that Sam Sales does. It might be getting you to say, you know what we're really looking for is we're looking for somebody who can sell us the challenger method uh, and teach us that. Can you do that? Nope, but I know who can. So getting to really understand what your priorities are, why they're that, and getting to shape 
what the next step is you take, whether it's with us or somebody we know, is a privilege. And I think that that's also what's led to so much of my success long-term, right? We look at our business, we've been around for three years, we have 160 clients and everyone's like, how in the hell did you do that? I did that by building a long-term brand of just giving a shoot about people um, and caring about their their needs and their challenges and then figuring out how to help them best I can precisely when it didn't, it didn't help me. So I think that's what sellers need to do, right? Make sure you do your homework, show up prepared. Don't show up to a call saying, Janice, where are you based, right? Because Janice, you're gonna say, well, it's on my LinkedIn profile. Or someone's gonna look at your background and say, oh, you live in DC. And you're gonna be like, nope, you didn't do any research. Mm -hmm. And then we're gonna set the course off in the wrong direction. Have all that ready, but understand what it is that they need and be ready to, to figure out again, how you can solve that challenge or somebody else can. So I'm quite interested in your your background, VP of sales, head of sales, you know, and enterprise space. It's very different when you're running your own consultancy. Mm-hmm. And often I, you know, you know, I'm part of the, the women's uh, sales pro. Often the transition from having, you know, a massive PL, a whole team <laughs> of people that are going to actually, okay, I'm going to have to do this myself. It's a big transition. And it doesn't always go well. You have to kind of, you think you know what you're doing, but actually when you're doing it for yourself, it's very, how did you transition from one to the other? Let me just tell you, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm I'm trying to figure it out as I go. I think, you know, it, it is a totally different world, right? Just like you said, there's no budget. Your budget is your bank account. It comes directly out of it, which is a painful thing to adjust to. But I think a, a couple of things, right? You, one, you need to give yourself grace, right? Moving from an enterprise organization, moving from having budget and people and all that, you need to give yourself grace and you need to make sure you're financially prepared to have some runway. Six months, nine months, 12 months. It takes time. It doesn't matter how well-known you are, how successful you are. I had a great brand when I started. It took me time to build this business. So make sure you're prepared for that. I think the other transition is looking in yourself and thinking, am I fit to be an entrepreneur? Am I fit to take this side hustle or this passion that I have and create a business? I was just having a conversation with someone this morning, wants to do the same thing. And what I said is, you know, the skill set for me that I also see in other business owners who have been successful, I'm disciplined. I know how to sell, you know, I'm go, go, go. I'm urgent, right? You're not going to find me being like, I think I'll take this week off. I am always moving, right? Building, thinking about the next step, thinking about how to scale myself, putting in those 12 to 14 hours a day until we have a little bit of money. And then we can say, okay, what can I take off my plate and give to somebody else? But I think the other key, right? Is like knowing how to sell, be honest with yourself. Do you know how to sell? Do you know, do you have discipline? Will you follow through? Do you know how to run a sales process? If you don't, do you have the capital to hire a partner or bring somebody on who does have that skill set? And I say that because some of the entrepreneurs I work with, right, when we follow up on their their deals or their pipeline or help move things along, I'm like, hey, whatever happened with the proposal you had to Janice? And they say, oh yeah, I need to get her that proposal. And I'm like, wasn't the conversation three weeks ago? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, <gasps> and I die. I mean, I die, Janice, because you know, proposal should go out same day. Urgent bird gets the worm. Um, but I think that that honesty in knowing what, what you're great at and what you're not great at, and can you run the ship by yourself or do you need to supplement yourself with a little support um, is the first, the first of many transitions to make. Do you think that that's the key thing that really made the difference coming from a sales background, being willing to kind of like dig in, knowing how to sell, feeling confident? That's the difference that actually made to your business trajectory. 
I think I think that's the num the number one thing is I needed to have that. Then that's not enough. The second thing I needed to have is that follow through and that discipline. And I'll say too, you know, I look at programs that I created even in house, right? So if I look at programs I created at LinkedIn or programs I created on Twenty Four, sometimes the feedback that I got for two programs that on Twenty Four was we've tried that before. In fact, we've tried it five times and it doesn't work here. And I honestly think the difference with me was follow through. Those people that make the New Year's resolutions and give up at six weeks, it's just not me. If I put my name on something, if I say I'm going to do something, I, I, it's going to be a success. I'm going to make it happen because I'd sooner die, frankly, than give a shot and completely crash and burn. So I think that discipline and that follow through is so key, right? And I think one other thing that I would say, don't create something to sell. Sell something first and then create it. And I say that because I see a lot of business owners who, you know, especially women entrepreneurs who was telling me I've created a business development training program. I spent the last nine months creating it. Now, how do I sell it? And I'm like, so for me, it's come up with the idea, come up with the proposal, come up with the deck, come up with the, the skeleton and say, I want to build this for you. I want to train your teams. I want to do this. I think I can bring this consulting in, get somebody to trust and hire you, give you that first break bump along the way, give them a cutthroat price, right? So that, so that you can at least get something and get a local, you can experience a case study on your belt and then go, go forward and continue to build on that. Um, but don't, don't create something that you don't even know if there's market demand for. Yeah, I think that's, that's brilliant. I do meet um, a, a lot of entrepreneurs that have amazing websites. They're spent thousands on their website and it's like have you tested your product is there an right. audience for this it's like really just you know start with your linkedin profile that is the greatest website you're going to have invest a bit of time in that okay. and make connections only when you really need these assets and collateral do you create them but at least it's going to be in the customer's language it's going to you're going to have real live data and case studies and things that are going to make it really um zing but yeah we do tend to you know sit on the pot <laughs> you know creating these wonderful things we're going to make a difference to the world but we don't get started <laughs> And exactly. And you think there's, there's a sales cycle. So if you have built this program and then you're ready to sell it, you, it's, it's kind of demoralizing to go through the sales cycle of weeks and months potentially of selling something while you've already built it. So make sure that you're going through that. Make sure that your sales cycle is going to align perhaps even when you complete the product, but let's even make sure that this is something, you know, that there's demand for. I think this is something else we have. We've tested a lot of different things, not only marketing tactics, but product lines, offerings, ways that we do things to find the things that convert the most, that impact the most, and then help us expand. So there's a lot of testing that happens every every day at Sam Sales. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, that's what I think. Want companies, even enterprise companies, kind of tend to lose sight of because I think that they um, are subjected to the same disease yeah. in that the sales team and sales process and the whole leadership is really looking at themselves mm, <laughs> you know exactly. even calling it a sales process is about what we're creating for the customer they yeah. think but they've never asked the customer you know it should be a buying process this is my my view that you know you don't want a sales process you want a buying process in which case you start with the end in mind what's your your view i i couldn't couldn't agree with you more and i think too we we sometimes 
put that customer through exactly the sales process we've done. You even look at the stages that we have, you know, and like in like Insightly and like our CRM, right? When you look at those stages, we take them through, you know, validation, qualification, this and that, um, commitment. And we kind of use the salesy language to run them through our process instead of just having an open and honest conversation with them, right? And making making that buying process, making that sales process conversational, supportive, making sure that we're giving them what they need. Also asking questions that might be a little bit uncomfortable, but asking them because we've taken the time to build a relationship versus just put them through this robotic process. The people that win, right? Those consistent top performers have learned how to run a sales process while making it seem like all they're doing is building a relationship in serving the customer's needs, because that is what we're doing at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. But buyers are so savvy now. They can see it coming. It's like these traffic lights goes up from their head and they know the question, you know, what keeps you awake at night? <laughs> you know, it's Ooh, like, okay. What's your timing? They've, exactly. They've done the 101 sales training and they've had, they don't realise they've had the same carbon copy salesperson come through their oh. door over the years. And it's like, there's no personality in this. This is not about me. So it must be very frustrating um, for buyers. It's amazing too. Like I'll tell you so, something that we teach that I think is um, atypical is we, we teach this thing called the perfect discovery call. And in that, we never talk about setting an agenda at the beginning. And I remember, I can't, I can't, I'll never forget the first woman who said, um, but I've always been taught to set an agenda. Like, where's your agenda in this? I think the agenda is bananas in a discovery call. Again, it is akin to setting an agenda on a first date. We don't need to set an agenda. We know what we're here to do. I want to hear about you and tell you a little about me. We're going to see if it's worth a second call. That's what we're here to do. And so if I went on a first date and I said, Bill, great to see you. I'm going to tell you about myself. You're going to tell me about you. We're going to see if we want to go to a second day. How does that sound? Bill's going to be like, I know. And I think our buyers are the same way. So if we think like, Forget all that salesy language we've been taught, right? Show up to have a meaningful conversation. Understand the challenges, understand their initiatives, understand all that stuff, right? Kick those salesy terms out of the process. Even in your emails, do you have 15 to 20 minutes to chat with me this week? And then we send a calendar link. My God, take all that out. Like, let's be a little bit more human. I'll stop yeah. yelling now. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Um, okay, let's do, we can't, we've got to talk about diversity. We met, we met at a NAPA event. I'm really interested in, in your views of, uh, we clearly know there's a problem, um, but how can we can uh, speed up the, the pace of, of change? What's your view? The pace, the pace of change in, in how we in how we sell, the pace of change in like women in the space. What are what are your what are your thoughts there? It's diversity, getting more diversity. So not just gender, uh, you know, across the board. How can we have an industry that reflects in it actually reflects our customers? How can we get more diversity into the sales industry? Do we have another hour to talk about this? Oh my gosh, what a what a topic to unpack. You know, I think I think one of the things is it's it starts so much sooner um, than I think many people realize of how to increase our diversity, not only in sales, but in our organizations in general. Even just thinking about this, um, you know, I look at high schools and the way that they really put such a heavy focus on getting, you know, high potential kids who might be the first ones to go to college in their in their families, how to get them to go to college. And you look at those success programs 
programs and they have a two or three percent success rate, what happens to the other 97%? Do they even know that there's the world of sales out there that doesn't require a, a bachelor's degree, doesn't require a, an associate's degree, that it's not retail or a trade that they have to go into? And I think about the difference that organizations call to action, that organizations can make if they start to think about coaching and training at the high school level, if they start to think about coming in at a career day and saying, you can, you can come and be somebody in customer success in sales and account management. There's so much that you can do that doesn't require a college degree. So I think starting to educate at the early levels is one of the most important things. And I think the other thing from a diversity perspective and from a gender diversity perspective, we think about how we hire. So look at you as a leader. How have you promoted in the past? What do your job recs say? Are you asking for things like a rock star and a ninja and all that stuff? Give me a break. Now I'm all over that, right? But most women are like, I'm not a rock star. I'm not a ninja, right? Or somebody that might feel like they don't have quite the skill set that's necessary, but they've got so much potential. How do we empower them to say, I'm going to give it a shot? So these are all things we've got to think about, right? And looking at how we've made decisions historically is also so important. Again, not as a company, but as ourselves as leaders. Um, I could talk about this forever. <laughs> Well, I, I know, uh, you know, we, you have another meeting to go to, and I really wanted to get your insight based on where, where we met before. So tell the, uh, li tell the listeners how they can get hold of you. Of course, on LinkedIn, come and find me there. Um, come to our website as well, samsalesconsulting.com. We have a hilarious newsletter that comes out every Friday. I'll teach you a thing or two as well. We have great women's events that happen every single month, great webinars. So we give everything that we teach away for free. You don't even have to pay us a dime to learn what, what it is we teach. Um, but please, please do come say hello. And um, Janice, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Sam. Thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.